Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Time for Counterpoint. We got John Raz, former Liberal War Room director. Bill Hutchison, former broadcaster, now a teacher over at Seneca in the journalism department. Gentlemen, how are you? Good. Frip, frap, fabulous. Fantastic. I'm just dining out on your enthusiasm. It's fantastic. All right, uh, my last segment, you know, we talked to Dr. Jacobs about this survey showing that doctors are in in pretty large numbers burning out, Um, that, you know, treatment is harder to give, problems more complicated. Let me just take a a quick listen to what he said uh, just a few minutes ago. It is an exhausting, exhausting training. It is an exhausting career, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. And I think that many in the public don't really understand uh, how difficult a job this is. They see, you know, the smiling face of their physician and uh, they assume that everyone has broad shoulders and they do. But it does take a toll. It does take a toll. It's also taking a toll on the care. And this is a massive issue with people's health care. I'll start with you on this bill. What is the answer? I mean, we know that there's about 15 years of, of stuff that we have to fix. But then you've got doctors who are saying, we're at our wit's end, like we're done. More doctors would start, uh, would be a start. We've got to get more doctors uh, out there. There are people who can't find family physicians. And I know my own family physician is overwhelmed. He's got a practice and he's got two doctors who just left recently mm-hmm. for, for personal reasons. And the poor guy is overwhelmed. I see how hard he is working. And uh, fortunately, I, I trust him and, and he's a great doctor, but I know that he's at his wit's end and he's not getting paid the way he, he should be uh, for what he's doing. Yeah, so, but they're so easy to vilify. Those rich, greedy doctors, not, no, you know, and that's is, how a, that's the thing. That's how people guy look at it. Who yeah. actually, yeah, he he gets he earns a good income, but he also supports his entire practice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, they've got a lot of they've got a lot of stress on them, and and I don't think people recognize that. They just assume their doctor is there and he's healthy and he's he's he or she is is you know always going to be there. The doctor said to me that the biggest uh, challenge for them is the senior care. That that they're dealing with, you know, people who are living longer, they are really sick, and they can't be treated, you know, simply by giving them a Band-Aid, John. The point is you've got to get a senior care plan in place uh, to, for them to actually start kind of addressing this stuff. We're getting better and better at fixing stuff, better and better at keeping people alive for longer and longer periods, which does not mean that they're not in palliative care or that they're mobile or able to participate or take care of themselves. We have dwindling resources, and we have a huge competitive uh, healthcare economy to the south that drains uh, some of our best and brightest as they come out of excellent university programs across the country. You can throw more money at it. You know, one thing I, I, I'm not sure that I've ever heard, or maybe it's not ever, but rarely do I hear people vilify doctors for oh. the amount of money they make. Guys, they on were Bay vilified Street by the last governor. I'm sorry, the previous, the previous governor at Queens Park was doing that. They called them. They were greedy. vilifying them. Now, I'm not talking about politicians uh, with an agenda. I'm talking about ordinary people. Like when I talk to ordinary people, 
I have never heard somebody say, I, I resent that my, my, my local doctor or the surgeon who saved my kid's life has a pretty nice life, upper middle class kind of living. As far as I know, most people recognize these people work unbelievable hours, seven to 10 years of yeah. school just to get where they are, immense Huge discipline. Yeah. Uh, and I think they're the gods of our era. And I uh, obviously, they need, we need more of them. We need to support them better. We need to redraw the map. And I'm not sure we have the money. Well, we don't have the money, but they're going to have to because we have the problem, and we were warned about this this tsunami years ago. That's why you've got to be careful with every dollar that you spend as mm-hmm. a government. You've yeah. got to go through, and you've got to go through every program and say, do we really need this program anymore? Where do we need the money, and where is it more important, where is it more uh, critical for us to have it? And medical, uh, medical uh, treatment uh, for, for people, especially as our population ages, is, is so important. And, and Until if we you're don't in spend it, the money there. you don't get it. It's when your family member gets in long-term care that you go, oh my God, these people deserve so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, let's talk about this next story because for a second time, a video has surfaced showing yet another violent attack against a pro-life protester. It's all been caught on tape. Take a listen. She was saying things like, let's go, let's do this. And I was saying things like, stop, get away from me. And I tried to run away while she picked up a metal dolly and threw it at me and then proceeded to shove me, uh, wrestle me around by my backpack and try to get me to fight her. I'm used to some opposition to my message, but I'm not used to somebody like a pro-choice individual being willing to use violence. You know, Joan, when did this become a thing? Like, I get that pro-life people are considered lesser human beings by, I I guess, the general public because they're easy to kick around. But clearly there's come a point where those who disagree with pro-life views seem to think that they can use them as a punching bag. And that just needs to stop. It's odd, isn't it? I, I, I was thinking about this today. I was thinking it wasn't so long ago that in the United States, in those few states that were performing abortions, the doctors were being shot uh, you know, by, by rifles in their homes, were being assaulted, were being chased out of their communities. And one generally associated the violence, in fact, paradoxically, with the pro-life people. And uh, we here we have two really unfortunate incidents. Uh, both people who attacked um, the, uh, the pro-life uh, agents uh, looked uh, mentally ill to me, enraged. I wouldn't give them that no, excuse. No, no, that's an excuse. They, no, that, I wouldn't give them that excuse. They look like thugs who think that they can run their own okay, show. Okay, let's face it. They both look like lousy human beings. Sure. Uh, but but don't, dis- don't disparage the mentally ill because I, of I, these guys. I suspect it's not. I mean, unless unless this woman today, this was a copycat, an act of the, of a copycat, which is entirely possible. Well, no, this happened, no, this happened, no, this happened a while ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm it's sorry, just surfaced today. I'm sorry. Yeah. I wasn't aware of that. And she's um, part of um, the Ryerson anti-pro-life group. And Ryerson is a very active political campus, and I'm not surprised that it happened there. Having said all this, I'm not sure it's a thing. I think these, I hope that these are isolated. Incidents. Well, I know there's one more ta- tape out there, but I, I think I, the- I think it is a thing, and it's not necessarily just against the pro-life groups. It's against anybody they disagree with, anybody whose opinion they don't tolerate, so they will attack them. This is uh, the same thing with the Antifa group. If they don't agree with you, they will attack you physically. Like they punch the yes. Toronto Star. And I saw that video of that yeah. of that woman who attacked uh, the pro-life woman. I mean, she she went over there, kicked her, shoved her, oh, yeah. swung that thing at she her. She treated her like a rag doll. Yeah. I mean, the and then she, and then she strutted around like, "Huh, come and come and you know, take me on. I'll I'll, you know, I'll take on all of you." And and she was quite proud of uh, what she did. Uh, and so, do you think yeah, this comes though from the top? I mean, you had the the government, the federal government, you know, has made such a point of talking about pro-choice, pro-choice, women's choice, women's choice, and then of course, you know, uh, they've created almost this atmosphere with the summer jobs program that you know, all these 
pro-life groups don't get money. Has that, do you think, uh, kind of bled into... On that particular issue, perhaps, but as I said, I think it's a part of a bigger issue of a lack of tolerance, of of dissenting viewpoints, of of people that they don't agree with, and they just will not listen to them, and they won't they won't condone their their right to have a different opinion. Last one to you. Uh, I, I was just I was just boggled by the idea that Justin Trudeau could actually incite anybody to do anything. Pa- pas- I'm just saying, passionate or you know, sort of dedicated to a cause. Malik Pearson, this is Global News Radio. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head with Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Good to have you here with us. We are into Counterpoint the second half. We got John Mraz here tonight and Bill Hutchison joining us. Let's talk a little bit about an announcement that came out today. The Doug Ford government will permit Sikhs to ride motorcycles without helmets. He did run on this. He has delivered. And of course, this is something that is approved in Manitoba, Alberta, B.C. So take a listen to... um, Balpreet Singh, who I guess was a spokesperson fighting for this particular policy change. Look, motorcycling in and of itself is probably the most dangerous form of transportation out there. You know, the death rate for those who are motorcycling is very high. Injury levels are very high. That having been said, we allow people to make that choice. We don't force anyone, you know, you can't motorcycle. So the additional risk posed by uh, this measure, not wearing a helmet instead wearing a turban, statistically it doesn't make a difference. In terms of road safety, there's been no issue uh, in the almost 20 years that this has been in place in British Columbia. Right. Okay. Well, you know that doctor I just had on? He actually said tonight that if you love your fathers, husbands, and sons, please find them a helmet. That will accommodate a term. And I've seen far too many outcomes of motorcycle accidents with very, very... Um, devastating injuries and he's right so i think one of these this is an issue of is it either all of us or none of us when it comes to safety okay if if he says that there was actually statistically no difference in in serious head injuries then then okay then nobody should have to wear a helmet Uh, simply make like that or anybody who's not wearing a helmet has to sign a waiver says you know what if i get critically injured and i have these serious head injuries i accept responsibility and i will take care of it and and you are not on, on the hook for this. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, the insurance rates in this province, John, are through the roof. And frankly, if I have to pay for you so that you can express your religious freedoms, then I think you should have to pay more insurance, frankly. I think this is an exceptional case in the sense that uh, somebody's unhelmeted head probably would do no damage to anybody else. And so I'm not sure. What do you mean? It's, it's not the damage you do someone else. It's the damage that's done to your head when it goes under a car. Yeah. Well, as somebody who rode bikes for years and I uh, always wore a helmet yeah. because I understood what would happen if I didn't. And I wiped a lot of bikes out. Uh, I assure you I'd be dead if I hadn't worn a helmet. Let's start sure. there. But this reminds me... Uh, Apocryphally, uh, there was a governor in Arizona whose name escapes me who was once asked why people in Arizona didn't have to wear helmets at all on motorcycles. And he said, look, if you don't want to wear a helmet on a motorcycle or you don't want to wear a helmet in a construction zone, then maybe Darwin was right. And as the evolution of the species goes, you know, it'll stop you from reproducing. Well, it will. But uh, the problem is we have very expensive medical bills that have to be paid yeah, and it, we get stuck paying them. Uh, and, and look, I don't like to get my hair messy. And you know what? Too bad. When I get on my husband's bike, I'm putting a helmet on. 
it's a slippery slope. I mean, what are we, you know, are we not, I, I, the other day, my son in front of uh, all the uh, uh, sort of shocked parents uh, of some of his classmates <laughs> climbed a tree, went 30 feet up a tree, and, and he was not wearing a helmet, and I was immediately chastised for being not enough of a helicopter parent, and, and why would I let him take these risks? And I think taking risks is often fun and important, whether it's in sport or if you want to ride a motorcycle without a helmet, I got to tell you, I'm all for your right to do that. Maybe it's libertarian me. Right. If you so think let that's everybody a do it. In other words, idea, if, if you're going to take it off maybe then just sign a waiver. If that's your right, you sign a waiver and say, I, I will not expect any medical care for which I will not pay. I, I think, yeah, I think yeah. Ford will get some blowback on this saying, well, okay, uh, lots of guys don't want to wear a helmet on the bike. Yeah, I'm sure there will be a, a court challenge now. I mean, it becomes this. particularly interesting in the sense that these people, they're wearing uh, an article that is associated with their faith. And sure. Of course, why, why, by the way, don't you think they've developed? I'm, I'm not saying it would be a permanent thing, but why can't they come up with a covering for the head? Someone's got to develop this helmet. That's kind of would take the place of a turban. No, I mean, certainly there's got to be enough of a population that could support that. Or maybe if if your faith is that strong and you believe that uh, your God or God's will take care of you, if uh, harm comes your way, then uh, who cares? Okay, let's talk about a Canadian ISIS fighter. Speaking of who cares, um, you know, this is a guy who once bragged about kicking human heads around. This guy was an active recruiting ISIS member who also showed off his uh, weapons that he got from the American military. This is a guy who um, openly talked about being a sniper. And now he's just really tired. He wants to come home and he doesn't even care if he gets arrested. No, no, man. I've, uh, like I said, I've learned my lesson. Mm-hmm. In four years, I've learned a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I was going back home to do something like that, I wouldn't have contacted the government for help. I would have tried to snuck in. Like I said, I just want to go back home with my family and kids and just forget about this whole thing, man, if it's possible. Four years, I mean, uh, pretty much taking everything out of me. Yeah, I know. We'd all like to forget about our stupid actions, like going to fight for ISIS. His bad practices? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Here's what you do. You give him a motorcycle, no helmet, and head him out on the 401. (laughs) Or or through northern (laughs) Solve that pretty quickly. Uh, I actually really want him to come back. I want him to come back for two reasons. One is I want him to come back because uh, if he's prepared to go to jail, I don't know how often he'll see his wife and kids on that level, then he should be held accountable for the crimes against humanity that he, as part of the collective, that is Daesh, ISIS, whatever you want to call them, are responsible for. This guy was uh, celebrating uh, homosexuals being thrown off roofs, yeah. celebrating beheadings, uh, promoting promoting. Just the, the By the worst. way, he, he threatened Stuart Bell, the guy that interviewed him. I mean, he held, basically held up a, a, a head-like object saying, you know, you're next. Um, because that's what they were talking about but, back then. And, you know, he's just tired now and he just wants to come home. So first yeah. of all, I'd like to go spend the rest of his life, uh, you know, in one of our fine penitentiaries. Uh, like because a healing that lodge? will serve as an example to others <laughs> that there is a consequence. The second thing is, there is no I'd like him to come home because we haven't figured out legislatively, diplomatically, or as a state what we're going to do with people like this. And maybe he will force us to take a stand, come up with some practices. Now, we there's, don't, there's, the, the government doesn't I, say there's, no way. There's, about the as last Shakespeare ones. would say, I, there's the rub. He comes back and we have no way of prosecuting because right. you can't investigate. You can't go over to the war zone and get gather the information. The RCMP have said that. They have a lot of trouble prosecuting cases like this. So their alternate is to open a dialogue with Right, but you also have to have the government with a will. 
Well, that's, I mean, and that's another problem. And the last government had well, the will, yes. but that was apparently, you know, charter yes. rights and you know, violations. To quote our current prime minister, or paraphrase him, a traitor is a traitor is a traitor, and this guy's a traitor, and he should be treated as such. And and I agree with you. In a perfect world, he should be brought back and he should be held accountable for his actions. Unfortunately, I am cynical about the fact that, about that ever happening. But maybe He's a Pakistani-born. I mean, he was not born in Canada. His parents brought him here, I think, so when he was seven. So the UK says, you lose your citizenship. Yeah. I say he loses his citizenship. But the thing is, he's willing to be arrested. I still don't understand what the RCMP is struggling with to charge him. I mean, I, do, I would rather see the RCMP take its chances in trying to build a case and see that way than just simply saying, And then he'd saying, mount oh. a charter argument against it and he'd wind up getting off and we'd and end check. up wouldn't the question Wouldn't the question be, what crime has he committed on Canadian soil? He left this country to go and kill others. That's not I mean, a he's crime. Committed You're allowed tre- he to committed leave treason. This right, but he committed treason. Is that so not So what treason? would you charge him with? You want him to come back and, and go well, to I prison. So what would you charge him with? You could charge him for his, what, what he did on that. Treason. With, with you could hate, hate crimes. crimes. You could charge him with hate crimes. Um, he turned his back on Canada. He went all, all over to, to fight against... Uh, the treason. He wasn't fighting against NATO. He was there willing to kill anybody who was not part of the caliphate. So there were lots of Canadian and American troops over there. I mean, there are, I mean, there are allies of ours over there. I mean, how else do you, you explain that? How is that not treason? I I mean, I suppose another option would be to to hand him over to Assad and the Syrian government, but, um, uh, would probably expedite his, the resolution of the the matter. Do you have a quick guess as to what, so what do you think is going to happen with this guy? I think Canada's going to let him back in. I think he's going to, the RCMP will do a full and thorough investigation and find out they really can't charge him with anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we need to use his return as uh, as something to catalyze some new some legislation that can hold people accountable for okay, their acts. Okay, you bring in new les- legislation and he'll say, you can't retroactively charge me with this. Yeah. Uh, look, there but at least a- maybe something good comes out of it then. Yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath. Gentlemen, i got to leave it there. Thank you. All right, Bill Hutchison, thank you. Thank you, John Mraz. Here on Point, I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.